You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. That's right, Bear on Bears fans, it's time. For another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation, Bill Zimmerman with you, and whew, whew, that, that was a tough one to watch, ladies and gentlemen, that was a tough one to watch, the Chicago Bears lose to the LA Rams, Monday Night Football, national stage, 24 to 10, and that score felt a lot, lot worse than only two touchdowns. That game felt like it was a 38-3 to throttling of this Chicago Bears team. A lot to get into. A lot to get into about this, this game. And, of course, the Brian Greasy quote about Nick Foles and Matt Nagy. We'll get into all of it. we got a good, good guest coming up. Kevin Fishbane, Bears writer, Bears beat writer for The Athletic. He will be joining us here in just a little bit after I get a few things off my chest. And why don't I start with the greasy quote, then we'll get into the issues with the offense, the issues with Ted Ginn, and some issues with the defense, because they they don't get a pass either. That defense was not good against the Rams. So this quote, I'm not freaking out about this quote with Nick Foles and Matt Nagy. A lot of people want to sit there and say, oh, Nick Foles wanted everyone to know what he thought of Matt Nagy's offense, or Nick Foles wanted everyone to know what he thought of his offensive line. That I really don't think that's how Nick Foles operates. And look, these conversations that the media has with, with the players, with the coaches, there's, there's definitely moments where you know you are, you are on the record, the player's having a conversation, the coach is having a conversation, they're going over certain things. And look, there are things that they say, be like, hey, if this happens, we're going to do this. And they they trust the analyst and, and the broadcaster that they're not going to utilize that information or tell the other team or anything, but that will make them give a smarter broadcast during the game. So they, they will give some inside information like that, that they know they can't just flat out say came from the coach. These conversations, they, they can be casual. You know, I, I don't really know how they operate with Zoom and how everything's happening this year. But but I can tell you, there's plenty of times that things are said that it's definitely off the record, maybe a little tongue-in-cheek, maybe just kind of casual in passing. And I really think that's what happened here with Nick Foles and Brian Greasy. I don't think Nick Foles thought he said anything that was derogatory, that was overly negative. I mean, I don't know exactly what Brian Greasy said or how they got to that point, but I don't think Nick Foles sat there with Brian Greasy and said, I can't operate this offense because I don't have enough time, and Matt Nagy's calling plays that are impossible to run. I don't think he just flat out said that and like, you you 
broadcast that to the 10 million, 15 million people watching this game. I, that's not how Nick Foles operates. That's not the type of guy he is. I think there was some sort of miscommunication between Foles and Greasy on how this got out there. I really don't think this was any any kind of shot against anyone. So I'm not going crazy about this. I understand Chicago Sports Talk wants to get into it. I understand it's it's a it's a juicy quote. I get all that. So I am not saying that they shouldn't run with it and, and do what they want to do with it. But for me, I'm not going to go crazy about this. And I certainly don't think that Matt Nagy and Nick Foles are having some sort of falling out over it and, and, and a screaming match or anything like that. So I'm not too worried about that at that at this point. What I am worried about is about how this team played on Monday Night Football. And look, I know I'm not reinventing the atom here when I say that how this offense played was unacceptable, but how this offense played was unacceptable. And, and there's a lot of different things we can look at here. When the offense is this bad, you can't point to just one thing. You can't just point to the quarterback. You can't just point to the coach. You can't just point to the offensive line. You can't point to just one thing because when you're that poor, there have to be multiple issues going on at once. So, so, so let's look at this and let's look at how this Bears offense can improve because I don't think there's any point to nitpick every play here against the Rams because we know the plays weren't getting executed well. They weren't getting called particularly well. And the bottom line is when that happens, you just can't move the football. So we'll start with the offensive line. The offensive line should be better than it is. This offensive line was not made to dominate defenses. This offensive line was made, and again, keep in mind, this is a cap league. So you have to look at how they utilize the cap. They didn't spend $20 million a year on either of the tackle positions because that's what you need to spend to get an elite tackle. You can't have an elite tackle, draft Mitch Trubisky, thinking you're going to have to pay Mitch Trubisky, pay a tackle, and pay Khalil Mack. You can't have that many $20 million, $25 million guys on the roster. So they went, Charles Leno, they re-upped them, they went Massey. They want those guys to be average. They want those guys to be, you know, of the 64 starting tackles in the NFL, they want them to both be right around 30. That's that's all they're looking for out, out of those guys. This offensive line was constructed from the inside out. And what I mean by that is they spent high-value draft picks. They spent second-round picks on Daniels and Whitehair. They wanted those guys to stabilize the inside, and they expected Kyle Long to be part of this as well. They did not expect Kyle Long when they were coming along here to not be able to stay healthy, fall apart, and have to retire. Whether he wanted to retire or not, we've seen how Kyle has, has been on Twitter, but that's what they expected. They expected a very formidable interior three and average tackles, and that would come together and work well for the team, and it has not. And that's largely because Kyle Long fell apart, so you don't have an all-pro right guard. You've got Jermaine Effetti, who's been okay, he has not been the main problem on this, this offensive line, but he's certainly not dominating, guys. Whitehair is a guy who looks great when the offensive line is average. But when the offensive line is playing poorly, you can't rely on Cody Whitehair to lift this entire unit up. He's not that good of a player. James Daniels was playing well this year. He was finally kind of felt like he was putting it together. He was turning the corner. And now James Daniels is out for the year. And there is a major problem on this offensive line that they don't have good backups. And they don't have good backups because Ryan Pace traded away a lot of draft picks to get the guys he wanted recently, including Khalil Mack. 
So we can't criticize him for everything, but he did give away a lot of draft picks and trades. And when you don't have a lot of third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, those are the guys. Now look, sometimes Pace will get hot and get a guy like Mooney in the fifth round, Eddie Jackson, obviously, Tariq Cohen. Those guys he gets and they step in and they play well from those mid-round positions. But those other mid-round guys are the Nick Kwiatkowski's of the world who can fill in, you know, acceptably at, at, at a position. They don't have, they haven't had those picks. So the depth in a lot of areas on this team is lacking. And, and I said it after Daniels got hurt, they need to go out there and get a veteran guard center combo. They didn't do it. Then Whitehair gets banged up. Now Sam, I mean, Effetti, Sam Mustafer, and, and Rashad Coward. You cannot win football games when that's the interior offensive line. That's, that's just not enough there. So they need to go out. They need to get a left guard. I understand it's not going to be easy to learn an offense on the fly like that. But look, there's zone blocking schemes. There's outside zone, which is what the Bears want to run. So, like, you, you can pick the right guy who's been in similar schemes, and I think he'll be okay. I think that's important. I think they need to stabilize this offensive line a little bit. That's the first thing. Now, is bringing in some veteran left guard on a cheap deal or for a conditional pick, is that going to solve all the problems of the offensive line? No, of course it's not going to solve all the problems of the offensive line. But if it can stabilize it a little bit, and get this offensive line playing a little bit better, that, that could potentially go a long way to hopefully try and fix this, this offense that definitely needs some help. The other thing I think they need to do, it's time to start playing Cole Komet. I'm not saying 100% of the snaps, but he needs to be out there on the Y. He needs to be getting at least 60% of the snaps. They need to greatly reduce Demetrius Harris's role. Harris has been going backwards basically since the start of the season. He was pretty good, I thought, the first couple of games. Just keeps getting worse. He's dropping too many balls. Cole Komet is looking better these last couple weeks. The blocking has improved. It's not great. I saw him whiff on a couple blocks out there against the Rams, but it's improved enough. He's made a couple plays. Cole Komet at this point, I don't know if he, if it's that he doesn't know the playbook enough, but he is a better player than Demetrius Harris. I, I really think that's the case at this point. So at least let's get him out there and start getting developing him and, and getting him to hopefully be a, a red zone threat and, a, and a, another target for Nick Foles as the second half of this season gets underway because they don't have, they got Allen Robinson right now and Jimmy Graham in the red zone. That's it right now. So they need Cole Komet. That really needs to happen. And speaking of other changes that need to happen, Ted Ginn. There was nothing wrong with the Ted Ginn signing. It was a good idea. Some speed at wide receiver, punt returner, veteran. There was plenty of good for Ted Ginn. But with Tariq Cohen out and Ted Ginn getting the full punt return duties, he, he's not a punt returner anymore. I don't know if it's age. I don't know what's going on. The Ted Ginn signing has not worked out. Cut him. It's, it's not a big deal. He was a vet minimum signing. Get Dwayne Harris back there. They, they have to have, look, you're not going to have a dynamic punt returner like Tariq Cohen, but you have to get something out of that. You have to have a guy who catches the ball at the 12s so they're not inside the four-yard line every time. All right, number three. Lamar Miller is on this roster. He's on the practice squad. But he is on this roster, Lamar Miller, a talented veteran running back who has had many excellent seasons in this league. Coming off an injury, didn't play. I, I, I get all that. But unless Lamar Miller is just trash in practice, he's got to get bumped up to the active roster and he needs to start getting some time running the football. David Montgomery 
I'm not sure exactly what's going on with David Montgomery. He definitely does not have a great burst. He's great at breaking tackles. He's got good leg drive, but he doesn't have that burst where he can go from zero to 60 pretty quickly. Everyone kind of talked about how he didn't have a great top speed, but you don't need a great top speed as a running back. You need quickness. And I just haven't seen enough quickness out of David Montgomery. The other thing is, this is an outside zone scheme, and David Montgomery wants to run behind Cody Whitehair every chance he gets. He loves running into the middle of the field, and that's not where the blocking's going. You've seen it on multiple occasions here where you can kind of see an alley getting produced by the offensive line. There's not a lot of alleys to begin with. So when they produce an offensive line, when the offensive line produces an alley, you know, towards the tackle in the outside zone, in the scheme, and Montgomery still wants to bust it up the middle where the blocking isn't, He's going to get a yard or two or lose yards. He's He's got to get to the outside. I know David Montgomery wants to run inside the tackles, but he has to follow his blocks if he's going to have more success. So let's get Lamar Miller out there. Let's see if Lamar Miller can spark a little bit out of this running game as well. I'm not saying Lamar Miller needs 20 carries a game, but let's at least have a little bit. You know, if, if you listen to this podcast, I said in the offseason that they didn't have an RB2. And a lot of people say, oh, well, they have Tariq Cohen. No, 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 forget Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen's different. Tariq Cohen is a weapon. Tariq Cohen is the guy who's going to be split out at wide receiver. He's going to do multiple things. The guy that if David Montgomery is injured, who can step in and be on the field for 70% of the snaps and get 15 carries, they don't have any other guys like that. Then they went out and got Lamar Miller. They have a guy like that, but he's sitting on the practice squad. Let's get him out there and get some reps and, and, and see what he can do because the running game isn't working. So if you kind of change up the personnel a little bit, may, maybe you can improve the running game just enough. You know, this this offense is never going to be about running the football 35 times a game. But you do need the, the running game a little bit to, to have a little bit more balance. And, and if you want to utilize play action, you have to be able to freeze them with the running running game. If they don't respect the running game, they don't, they're certainly not going to care. So, got to do something about this running game. So, training for a left guard and getting Lamar Miller some reps is at least something that, that they can do. Because the Cordell Patterson running back thing, it's just not working. I really thought it would. It is not working. And I don't think it's just the offensive line. It's just not, it's just not happening with Patterson. So, Let's change things up a little bit. It's not, it's, this isn't a wild change. I'm not saying let's blow up the entire offensive line, bench everyone, bring up Latavius Simmons and, and Arlington Hambright, throw them out there and see what they, that, that's, that's not reasonable. I'm not, I'm not asking for that, but there needs to be, so they, they got a Nagy and his coaching staff, they got to sit down, they got to try a couple different things. Another thing I think this offense needs to do is, and I'm going to ask Kevin Fishbane about this, let's cut down on all the personnel changes. Let's get Jimmy Graham, David Montgomery, Mooney, A-Rob, obviously. Let's get them out there. Then maybe, you know, uh, Miller and Komet kind of rotate them a little bit, you know, whether you want to go uh, three wide receiver set or more 12 personnel. But let's get a little consistency. Let's see if having guys out there in rhythm, staying out there uh, on the... Uh, on the field, getting the flow, getting in the flow of the game. Let's see if that gives this offense a little rhythm. Let's give the players some rhythm and see if they can get the offense some rhythm. Because, and I get what Nagy's trying to do with creating mismatches and and keeping the defense off 
off balance. It's not working. So let's let's minimize the amount of, of personnel changes. Let's get the the, the key. I mean, look, are, are we dying to have Javon Wims out there? You know, that's you know, we don't need to be tweaking this much stuff and trying all these different packages and Patterson's in and out and Montgomery's in and out and just just slow it down on, on the personnel changes. Keep a consistent group out there. I'm not saying they have to take 100% of the snaps, but keep a consistent group out there and see if you can get some rhythm for this offense because there is no rhythm. They're so disjointed. And and they, they don't seem to get that rhythm unless Nick Foles kind of puts them in more of a hurry-up offense. And if you're in a hurry-up offense, you can't change the personnel as much. And, and speaking of Nick Foles... Let's get Nick Foles a bigger role in, in, in calling plays, seeing, reacting to what he's doing at the line of scrimmage. Don't script him as much. I'm not saying Nick Foles is, is a magician, but Nick Foles is a smart quarterback. The best thing Nick Foles has going for him is what's in between the ears. That's his best attribute as a quarterback. And we've seen that. We've seen him understand the situation and tell Anthony Miller the spot to run to the end zone and the ball's going to be there. We see him change the play against the Bucs and get David Montgomery isolated out there and get a first down, which eventually won the game. We see what Nick Foles is capable of as a quarterback. So let Nick Foles be Nick Foles. Let Nick Foles react. Let Nick Foles... Now, they're pushing the ball down the field more, and hopefully they'll start hitting more of those. That's what Nick Foles likes to do. Yes, that's going to create some turnovers, you know, negative turnovers, but it's also going to get some chunk plays, which the Bears offense needs to get sometimes is 20, 30, 40 yard gains, and they're not getting that enough. So let's take a step back, look at this offense and go, all right, what can improve? The offensive line, can it improve with what they have currently on the roster? No, then let's go out and get a left guard. Is Lamar Miller, does he have years of experience and has been proven to be a good runner? All right, well, then let's get Lamar Miller on the field. Is Cole Komet playing better than uh, Demetrius Harris? Then let's get Cole Komet on the field. Is Ted Ginn not performing as a punt returner so the Bears are starting on the six-yard line all the time? Then let's find someone who can actually call, call a fair catch at the 14 and help with, pass, uh, help with field position a little bit. Let's, let's, get some, let's get some rhythm. Let's let Nick Foles help and be a field, field general like he can be, like he was for Philly when they won the Super Bowl. Let's... Change some things up here, Matt Nagy. You know I'm a Matt Nagy supporter. Everyone knows I'm a Matt Nagy supporter as a head coach. But Matt Nagy, the offensive mind, needs to understand and and change some things up. And this is a perfect time to sit back, look, and go, things need to change to get better. Because what they're currently doing isn't working. So, you know, don't just sit there in the press conference and say, we things aren't working, we need to... We need to examine it and figure out what's going on. Examine it and make some changes. Make some changes. We keep hearing you every week say, we got to look at the tape. We have to examine what's going on. We have to look at ourselves internally, not just the, the offensive line, but the coaching staff and everyone. We hear the same things over and over again, but I'm not seeing any changes. I don't think anyone else is seeing any changes. So let's see some changes. Now, the last thing before we get to Kevin, I need to talk about is this defense and their performance against the Rams, which was unacceptable. Now, you're going to sit there and go, oh, Bill, leave the defense alone. The offense was terrible. They were on the field the whole time. Well, all right. First of all, 
The offense was on the field about as much as the Rams in the first half. I think it was 14 minutes and 30 seconds. So the Bears defense was not on the field the whole first half, as some people would lead you to believe. It may feel like that because the Bears only had three first half points, but it was not the case. The time of possession was pretty equal. Akeem Hicks probably had his worst performance as a Chicago Bear. I can't think of one worse. I mean, yes, he got some penetration and and did a couple things. I'm not saying he was a ghost, but the sloppy penalties, he could have had more penalties. He could have had at, at a face mask that wasn't called. He was frustrated. He was making just not Akeem Hicks plays. It was, I mean, just so many mistakes. I just was really frustrated with Akeem Hicks's play. I really think this defense was was energized by the, the switch to Nick Foles. I think we really saw that the first couple of weeks. I, I don't know if they just got frustrated with how poor the offense looked, but they were flat. And the way the Rams took the football and shoved it down their throats, just ran the football down their throats. I don't know exactly what it was, but I think the Rams averaged right around seven yards a carry. It was it was that level of, of domination up front by the offensive line and the running game. You can't have that if you're an elite defense like the Chicago Bears. I understand that this defense isn't going to be quite as good as it was against the run because Eddie Goldman opted out and because... Leonard Floyd is no longer on the field. Leonard Floyd was excellent against the run. Leonard Floyd wasn't a great pass rusher, but Leonard Floyd was very good against the run and really set the edge well and really provided the defense with a lot of help forcing things to the inside where Hicks and Goldman could just eat everything up and and Trevathan was there because he had he couldn't get blockers on him because Goldman was eating double teams. So we know why the running game is struggling more. The running defense is struggling more than it did last year. But you cannot have that type of performance where the Rams, they just, I mean, it was every time they ran the foot, you, did you expect them to get them at, to the line of scrim, at the line of scrimmage? I sir didn't because every time the Rams ran the football, five yards, seven yards, 10 yards, 12 yards, just Chunk gain after chunk gain after chunk gain on the ground. And that's unacceptable, especially because I don't think Jared Goff was great. He was okay. He certainly wasn't 400 yards, four touchdowns. Like, you really, they just, the, the execution, they got punched in the mouth and got back on their heels. And they just did not respond. And that was really, really frustrating to see. And, and I just think a lot of people are giving this defense a pass for this performance against the Rams. And I'm not saying if they played better, they would have won. They probably wouldn't have because the offense was that bad. But the one thing that this defense has done for the offense the last couple of weeks is win the field position battle. And when you're paying an elite defense, and the Bears are paying for an elite defense. They're paying, I've said this, they're paying Quinn, they're paying Mack, they're paying Hicks. They're, you know, they're using a first-round pick on Roquan. They're paying Eddie Jackson. They're paying Kyle Fuller. When you're paying for an elite defense, then the, the object of the game is not to just hold them to 24 points. The object of the game is when they start with the ball on the 25, they're punting from the 27. And then the Bears can get a couple first downs. Then you can pin the Rams back inside their own 10. And then the Rams are still punting again from inside their own 10 or maybe the 20, and you shorten the field for the offense. 
That's another job that this Bears defense has to have. And don't sit there, ah, you're asking too much out of the defense. No, I'm not. If you're an elite defense, if you're a top three defense, a number one defense, that's what you do. Now, yeah, you want more out of this offense. I'm not saying what the offense did was acceptable. It was not. But you're paying this defense to pin the offense back, not allow three, four first downs and let the Rams punt for midfield so they can pin the Bears at the five-yard line time and time and time again. They can't win like that. No offense can win if they're starting at, at, at their own 10 constantly. That's not going to work unless you're Pat Mahomes. It's not going to work. So you need to not just prevent the opponent from scoring, but you need to get three and outs or at least one first down and then get them out. you got to get that offense, that opposing offense, off the field and, and shorten this field for the defense or, or for the offense, for the Bears' offense. You have to do that. That is part of your job. That is why they are paying these guys is for an elite defense. And if you're not going to win the field position battle, then you need to cause turnovers. And I know Eddie Jackson finally got in the end zone. It was definitely a too little, too late moment. But this defense needs to perform at a higher level. And they did against Carolina and Tampa. I'm not saying this is a trend, but this is something that happened against the Rams and it's unacceptable because if the defense plays like that the rest of the way, the Bears aren't winning any of the next two games. I don't even know if they can beat Minnesota in three weeks. That's how poor to me this defense was because the defense has a high bar. I mean, you look at it, the defense has like a top three bar in the NFL. The offense has like a top 25 bar in the NFL. So the bars are vastly different. And is that completely fair? No, it's not completely fair. But it's not as unfair as you think because this defense is being paid to be an elite defense. Not a good defense, not a very good defense, an elite defense. That's what this, that's how this team is designed. That's that's the the, the structure of the roster is for this defense to dominate football games and the offense to do enough to win. That's how they design this team. And if you don't like it, that's fine. You can complain about Ryan Pace spending too much money on the defense and he should have spent more money on the offense. He should have spent first more first round and second round picks on the offense. You can complain if you don't like being a defensive-oriented football team, but that's what this Chicago Bears team is. So you can't sit here and say, the defense gave up 24 points. That's enough. That wasn't enough. That was a poor performance. The defense didn't get off the field, yes, in part because the offense was bad, but also because of their performance and the way the Rams ran the football. Every time it was second and two. You can't, you can't succeed with that kind of performance. So the defense needs to get better too. So this was a failure in this game in every phase. Coaching was a failure. The offense was a failure. The defense was a failure. And thanks to Ted Ginn, special teams was a failure. They failed in every aspect and somehow only won or only lost by 14 points. I don't even know how that's possible. So best is to get this behind them and move ahead. And who knows? It's a crazy league. If you you can put a game like this behind you, they can turn around and win, win in that, a game against the Saints. You never know. It is possible. So, all right, I've babbled enough. Let's get to our guest. Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic joins us next. This is Bears banter. Bill Zimmerman. We'll be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right. Welcome back into the podcast. Very excited for our next guest. You can follow him on Twitter at KFishbane. He is Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic, and you can catch all his Great work at The Athletic, and you can catch it on Whitney City Gridiron's uh, Bears Den that Ken Mitchell puts up there for us every morning. Uh, great, great stuff there from in the Bears Den, and you can find The Athletic stuff there whenever they publish Bears material, and Kevin joins us now. Kevin, Bill Zimmerman, how you doing? I'm good, Bill. How are you? I'm doing okay. I think we're probably both doing better than Matt Nagy and the Bears offense right now, so let's start there. Obviously, that was an ugly Monday night football game. 24-10 is a, a polite score for the Bears. It, was, it, it felt much, much worse than that. So let's start on the offensive side of the football. And I don't think there's really one thing you can point to, but what did you see? What was, I mean, there's so many issues that they had, but what was the issue that you looked at and went, wow, this, this offense will not work unless what? Yeah, you know, Bill, I am not an established the run guy. Like, I get it. It's 2020. Throw the football to win. But the fact that they could not run the ball again against a Rams team that, frankly, you know, according to the analytics, is not a very good run defense um, is really striking. Um, This is not new. This is something that's been a problem for Matt Nagy's team since he got here. Even when they were 12 and 4 in 2018, the run game was inconsistent. So I looked right there at a, you know, a group that just can't make anything easier for itself. Um, you know, seven carries for 19 yards for David Montgomery in the first half. Um, obviously, you could look at the offensive line. You could look at the play design. You could look at the cadence. You know, he, he got back-to-back rushes only one time in the first half. Um, and the reason I kind of focus on the run game is twofold. One, we saw in weeks one and two, they, they moved the ball on the ground. You know, Montgomery was, they were, it was under center work. I know it was against kind of average defenses, but they were gaining some yards. The second thing is, I think we all know who Nick Foles is. You know, we know that this passing game, you know, obviously can get better. We want to see more Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller, Cole Komet, even A-Rob, all of that. Dave Montgomery is someone who I just think this team still can't figure out how to unlock. And, and that's why I kind of harped on the run game as, as it, it, it just starts there with these guys. What, not being able to run it at all, um, just really, really sets them back. Yeah, it really does. And, and I think you bring up a good point because, you know, look, when it was Tampa, when it was Indianapolis and, and, you, and you got you know, those great D lines and you sit there and go, well, this Bears offensive line just isn't going to win that battle. You, you understood it a little bit, but Carolina is a team you can run against. They failed to do it there. Like you said, the Rams should be able to establish the run a little bit. You couldn't do it there. 
I mean, look, it, it, it really, it comes down to the offensive line. I understand James Daniels is out, you know, and I understand their scheme and there's, there's other things that go into it, but a lot of times the offensive line, they're getting pushed back in the Nick Foles lap. And I understand Aaron Donald is, is, is an elite all-time talent, but at some point the offensive line is going to have to give Foles time. And we'll get to that quote with Ryan Greasy in, in a little bit. They're going to have to give Foles time. They're going to have to make some bigger holes for Montgomery and it's just not happening. Do you think that's a position? Look, I understand Leno's not going anywhere. Massey's not going anywhere. Whitehair and, and, and these guys are, are where they are. Do you think this is something that might get addressed before the trade deadline, bringing in another interior offensive lineman? Well, if there's anywhere you make a move, it's there. Uh, and, and I think that what we've seen the past couple games has really shown how much they miss James Daniels. I mean, look, James Daniels was playing well. He, if I, I went back through, and I'm sure you've, you've done this too, Bill, you look at every good run Montgomery had in the first three weeks, and James Daniels was lead blocking for almost all of them, or at least made a good block on all of them. Um, and, and so you, you lose him. You have a guy in Rashad Coward who's never played on the left side. Um, so there's, there's a learning curve there. And, and the Bears, you know, it's one of those things, Bill, where they know it's going to take him some time. So I understand there was like this knee jerk, like, oh, that's it. That's it. We got to put in Alex Bars. But my thing is like the Bears knew that, that Cowher was going to have some struggles. He's never played on the left side before. He's only played offensive line for a couple of years. That's where that told you where they view Alex Bars in this equation. So I'm not sure if, if that's the move that they go ahead and make, um, you know, uh, do, do you do go try to trade? Do you see if the Atlanta Falcons are willing to give up one of their interior linemen for a draft pick? Uh, do you look around the league at some of the other guards and centers who could be available? You know, Kevin Zietler in New York and so on and so forth. I mean, that, that's the move, right? But I got to imagine it's not easy to bring in an offensive lineman in the middle of the season and teach him your blocking scheme and teach him your offense and have him step in. And also, we got to talk, we're, we're in, in the COVID era where you have to, it takes a while for a guy to really get in. So that's my long way of saying I, I, there's, there's one thing they could do in-house if they wanted to, and that's Jason Spriggs. And I'm not recommending it because, look, the guy didn't work out in Green Bay. And he was a second-round pick who just didn't pan out. He didn't play last year. He was brought in to be a backup. He was not brought in to compete to start. He's your drastic move if you want to, like, send a message but I, I've always been of the belief, Bill, and, and maybe this is a little naive and, and, and comes with, you know, trusting the coaches a bit. If there's a better offensive lineman, they'll put him in. You know, I, I just try to, to trust these guys when it comes to that. And that's why I lean more towards the best route to really make a difference in terms of personnel would be via the trade. Yeah, I just – I'm with you, you know, like you said, Spriggs is, is what he is at this point. Alex Bars, I, I think he got better as the Tampa game went on, but I think that's also largely because Vea got hurt because we saw that, that that was a welcome to the Tampa game, Alex Bars, when, I mean, Vita Vea just mauled him on two, three, four straight plays in a row. That, that was rough to watch. I'm sure that didn't look good in the, in the film room when the Bears went over that one, but um there's definitely just problems on the offense. Nagy knows it. The fans know it. The media knows it. And they're just, I thought this offense, you know, once they switched to Foles was going to take a couple weeks to kind of find its footing and, and give Nick some more time with the offense. I thought by now there'd be something that more than we're seeing and we're, we're still not seeing it. 
for for you and and look as as people who have covered the Bears having quarterbacks and, and coaches getting along in, in terms of meshing and, and putting up big offensive numbers. Not something we see very much. We had the one year with Tressman. We had the Eric Kramer year in the nineties. There's, there's really not a lot of years to pick from, but is there, is there something, you know, off with Nagy and Foles? Do you think maybe they're not on the same page or is this just a, they have a lot of problems and they're all just kind of creating this giant noise that they can't figure out what the problem is. I'm going to speculate here, Bill, and there's nothing better than rampant speculation. Love um, rampant speculation. <laughs> that'd be a good band name, rampant speculation. <laughs> um, and and why not rampant? You know, at least speculate about the quarterback head coach situation. You have Nick Foles, who is you know known for being very smart. He's here for reading the defense, knowing what to do pre-snap. We all remember what he did in his first game with the Falcons touchdown. You got a guy in Nagy who obviously is very attention to detail kind of guy. You have all these former quarterbacks in the room. I wonder if we're starting to see a little bit of paralysis by over analysis. I wonder if we're starting to see there's almost too many details. There's too many conversations. There's too much of like so many different people think they're the smartest guy in the room that they're just not keeping it simple enough um, for this offense to just take off, which is I'm, I'm using their words because I, I just don't think it's going to take off. Um, the, 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 that's what they are hoping for. So th that's kind of a, my wondering is, you know, here's Nagy who has his view. We know that, you know, he, he has his playbook. He has his ideas. He wants to run it that way. Then you have Nick Foles who has been around the game long enough where he has earned the trust to say, Hey, I want to run no huddle right now, or I want to do, I want to, you know, kill this player. I want to audible to this. And maybe those two things just are not in sync enough. And I think it can get there. These are, you know, these are two people who have a history, who know each other well, who also have to understand the pressure on, in the situation. Um, but that is just, again, kind of a reading the tea leaves a bit, a little bit. And one thing that really stands out to me, and, and Bill, I wonder if you notice this too. You know, sometimes when Foles seems to want to go no huddle, it's, it's just easier said than done because you look at the personnel out there and you're probably the head coach saying, well, well hold on, Nick. You can't, don't go no huddle yet because I, I need to take these guys off and put more guys on. And then you let the defense substitute. And then you kind of take away any advantage from the no huddle and you're trying to stay in a rhythm. And, you know, we saw them take those timeouts and uh, in, in late in the first half of Monday night. I wonder too, and I kind of asked Matt Nagy about it. And he, he didn't necessarily blow off the question, but I, I understood what he was trying to get at, which is that, you know, yeah, they can sub in no huddle. But I, I still wonder if there just is a disconnect for when Nick Foles wants to do what he wants to do. And Matt Nagy wants to stick to his play sheet and their four starts in together and they just still cannot get that to work out. And, and I, I do think they could, you know, it'd be, I, you know, I'm not going to say it's never going to work out. Um, but the problem too, is it goes back to the other part of the discussion, even if they, they do get on the same page with their play calls and their rhythm and their cadence, if the O-line can't block, if they can't run the football, if guys are dropping passes, et cetera, then it might not even matter if those two are on the same page. And since, since you brought up, you know, getting on the same page with, with personnel and everything that there is a lot of offensive rotations going on and different personnel packages that Nagy likes to throw out there and give the defense a lot of different looks to, to try and make things happen. But do you think there's a, a possibility that there's too many rotations that they they're not sticking with, you know, stick with a Rob, stick with Mooney, stick with Graham, stick with, Montgomery, you know, maybe rotating in Komet and, and, uh, and Miller, depending on, three, you know, 
you know, two tight end sets, three wide receiver sets, whatever it might be. Do you think they should kind of streamline that a little more, rotate a little less, and, and maybe that'll get players into more of a rhythm into the offensive game? Yeah, I think you should have a couple drives a game that are kind of scripted out that, hey, we're going to use the same personnel for X amount of series of downs. Um, and, and, you know, maybe we'll adjust if we get three first downs, we'll make a substitution. I mean, you see that on defense, right? Um, if a team gets two or three first downs, you'll probably see Mack and Quinn come off and Mingo and Vodders come on. So you, you see it on defense. I think that there is an opportunity on offense to say, hey, on, for the next, you know, however many plays, it's going to be Graham and Komet. We're going to go 12 personnel and Mooney and A-Rob and Dave Montgomery. And this is what we're going to go with. We've got, we, we've got seven plays installed for this group and we're just going to go. Um, you know, or maybe then you want to go to 11 personnel and throw Anthony Miller in there. So, you know, I, I sometimes liken it to a batting order in baseball. You know, we, we've seen, um, you know, to use the Cubs of, as an example, we used to see Joe Madden, you know, could never stick to a batting order he liked. Uh, and, and I always wondered about that. If you're a baseball player, these guys are creatures of habit. Do they, you know, they, they want to, don't they want to just get used to their spot in the batting order? And I wonder if for this team, if it's just, there's just too much and none of these guys, can really get comfortable um, in their role. And, and the key player here, Bill, to me is Cole Komet, because if they really are going to start using him more, that tells me you're going to see more 12 personnel because they, they like having Jimmy Graham out there. Um, I, don't, I don't see Komet necessarily replacing Graham's role in the offense. So maybe that allows them to say, all right, we're going to go with Komet and Graham for this drive. We'll, we'll mix Mooney and Miller around. We'll have Al Robinson and Dave Montgomery, and we're just going to go and see, you know, here are the 20 plays these guys can do. Um, because here's the other thing, Bill. One thing that you would you imagine Nagy thinks is, hey, if I keep rotating his personnel, the defense has to rotate to match, and eventually we're going to catch him off guard. But guess what? They're not catching anybody off guard. Like, this is not happening. So, you know, it, it, you got you to think about changing something up. So I do like your thought about, hey, maybe you just stick with the same personnel for a few series and see what it can do. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of where I am. And, and you brought up Komet, so I'll, I'll go there next. I mean, I think Cole had – I talked to a former tight end who kind of told me, he's basically like, give Cole a break. You know, tight end's a tough position for a rookie. He had no OTAs. He had no preseason games. He's getting thrown out there. It's, it's not – he's not going to come out there and get 30 snaps a game week one. So I, I thought that was a fair point. And, and we're kind of seeing Cole coming along a little bit more, a little bit more, made a couple nice plays. Blocking seems to be strengthening. And Harris seems to be kind of going backwards at this point. He, he seemed like he was off to a pretty good start and he seems to be getting kind of worse. You think the reason that we haven't seen more commit might be playbook oriented or, you, you know, maybe he doesn't have a full grasp of the playbook yet, or do you think it's just rookie tight ends and, and, Nagy kind of sticking with a guy like Harris that he's just more comfortable with at this point. Well, there is a disconnect, Bill, because they keep telling us that Cole Komet is the smartest guy there who's understood the playbook from day one of the Zooms and OTAs and rookie minicamp. Um, and, and they were so amazed by how, you know, what a great grasp he had on everything. So, well, if he, if he is, if he's a lockstep in there, why isn't he, you know, getting the more reps? So, I, I do think there's something to kind of dig in there. And, and I wonder if, you know, look, we know you, all you have to do is look at the quarterback position. We know how important trust is for the head coach when it comes to who's out there. Look at Anthony Miller's playing time. Um, so I, I, I think that they, you know, there, there must just be something. There just be some kind of package of plays or some kind of things where maybe it's not so much they don't trust Cole Smith, 
but there is a overwhelming trust or maybe a disproportional trust in what Demetrius Harris can do. And I think it's time to kind of realize, okay, look, I had Demetrius Harris at Kansas City. He knows what I want to do, but he's just not executing it correctly. Cole can handle all those plays. Let's, let's, let's go bring those to Cole Komet. And I think they just have to get there. And so whether it's saying, hey, we tr- we're, our trust in Cole Komet is going up, but I think it also just might be their trust in Demetrius Harris going down. Um, anything to get Cole Komet on the field more. <laughs> and the other thing too, Bill, if you're, if you're the general manager right now, aren't you sitting up there? You're like, you wanted tight ends. I went and got you. My, I used our first pick in the draft on Cole Komet. We got blasted for drafting this guy too early. All right, I love this guy. You love this guy. Why is he only playing 30% of the snaps? And why, you know, yeah, he brought you Demetrius Harris, but this guy's a second round pick. You know, so I, I kind of wonder if there's a little consternation from the personnel office. I'm not saying there is. I just, I, I just, you know, you kind of create these things in your mind when you watch games sure. like last night to just entertain yourself. You wonder if Ryan Pace is there, like, come on, this is, this is the guy you wanted. Can you use him, please? Yeah, so let, let's, uh, speaking of maybe some consternation, let's get to the Brian Greasy quote about Nick Foles, you know, saying that plays weren't going to work when, when they come in because he's not going to have enough time. Do you think this might be Foles thinking he was off the record when he was talking to Greasy? Do you think this is Foles potentially trying to get something out there because he's frustrated? I mean, there's, there's 5,000 different ways you can look at that quote, and I'm not sure – what it was because obviously I wasn't in the room. I don't know what was said. None of us do. We're all kind of speculating. It's, it was definitely kind of just said in passing. And I think everyone's eyeballs just kind of, when they were watching the game, that got kind of big going, what was that again? So where are you on, on this, on this quote from greasy and, and where do you think this is, you know, with, with Foles and, uh, and Nagy? Cause I did see one of the, one of the beat writers said something to the effect of, um, one guy was prepared to answer the question and one guy wasn't take that for what it's worth. So I kind of, you know, I, I think there's a lot of theories out there. So, so what's Kevin Fishbane's? Well, I, I do think for one thing, the ESPN broadcast booth plays pretty fast and loose with those conversations they have with the players and coaches. Like for example, Bill, I'm not sure Aaron Donald wanted to get out the way he really thinks about Jermaine Effetti. I don't know if you heard that part early in the game and Lewis Riddick said, yeah, Aaron Donald, said that Jermaine Fetty does not look comfortable at guard and just wants to go after him. Um, you know, those conversations that they have with the networks, a lot of it's on background. A lot of it's very casual. Um, and, and there are things that, you know, are brought up here and there by the broadcasters. And, and, and I, you know, let's play rampant speculation again. Maybe Nick Foles, you know, maybe Brian Greasy says to Nick Foles, Nick, I'm watching some of these plays and you just don't have any time. Are you ever sitting there thinking to yourself, hey, I know this is the play call, but I'm not sure going to have enough time to complete it. And Nick Foles, I said, yeah, you know, every once in a while I think about that. Then they laugh about it. And then Greasy says it on the air. Again, that, that, that to me could be kind of an innocent uh, interpretation by, by Brian Greasy and understanding, you know, why Nick Foles thought the way he did. Now, just for um, clarification. So when we talked to Nagy after the game, um, you know, he hadn't seen or heard the greasy clip. We had to, you know, JJ Stankovitz had to be the one to kind of introduce it to him. Um, Nick Foles was shown the clip before he came and talked to us. So Foles was able to have that knowledge um, and kind of prepare whatever he wanted to say coming in. So just based on the way Foles reacted when it was brought up, I kind of gathered that maybe this was just kind of a 
very casual back and forth that that greasy took a little bit to the next level with it but hey we've all been watching this offense it's not unheard of to think that Nick Foles is standing there being like could you just give me a little bit more time and I can make these throws yeah I I I agree because you sit there and I mean even even the play backed in their own end zone to the, the throw to Mooney where you just if he had one more second you know there's there's a lot of those where you just look at it and it falls if he didn't have to throw off his back foot because he was getting you know whatever it might be there's you, you just feel like there's near misses that the offense could you know could start connecting on if they just had a little more time a little better execution it just it feels like they're close in certain areas but it feels like it's just it's just you know a marathon to get there when you look at the, the the full picture so last thing on the offense here and then I don't want to keep you too much longer after that but Matt Nagy the play calling you know it finally came up a little bit about should he should he relinquish play calling duties I, I don't know exactly who the best guy to be if he would ever do that you know flips had struggled with play calling in other areas he's been uh, you know laser I, I think would probably be the guy if he ever gave it up but you know we always said that's something Nagy never wants to give up, but Nagy in his press conference said that he would he'd be willing to give it up if people thought that was the, the best thing to do. Do you think that's something that the Bears should explore, and do you think it's something the Bears will explore? Well, I, I think it's worth noting that this is certainly the most open Matt Nagy sounded to relinquishing play calling. Um, you know, I think he is coming to an understanding that you just have to look at everything. You have to evaluate everything. It's, it's a really tough thing for a head coach in Matt Nagy's position to give up play calling. I've seen, I've seen some people point out how Andy Reid's done it before. Andy Reid can do whatever he wants. Andy Reid's been a head coach for a long time. He's got a lot of cachet. He's got a lot of job security. If you're Matt Nagy and you give up play calling, you know, you could say, well, what, what's, what are you doing here? What's your role? We brought you here to be the play caller. We brought you here to be the offensive guru. If you can't call plays, you know, should you be the head coach? That could be, again, one way that it might be looked at the way the reason he might not want to give it up. Now, I think there's a lot of qualities Matt Nagy has that makes him a very good head coach. We have seen this team fight. Um, and, and, I, and I don't want to get too overly cliche about it because you have to be careful with last season. It was a failure of a season. They went eight and eight. That's a failure. But that could have gone off the rails multiple times last year and it didn't and I think that's a credit to him you look what they did in Detroit and Atlanta I think it's a big credit to the way that he gets these guys to believe and so again those are those are important qualities in a head coach however again he's there to call plays it's like Khalil Mack right Khalil Mack is there to hit the quarterback it's only it's only so great when you count up all the pressures but really he's being paid to get to the quarterback the flip side, though, Bill, is if Matt Nagy makes the call and shows the humility, hands the playbook over to Bill Lazor, and the Bears start succeeding, and he is maybe better at clock management because he has no, more time to think about it. Maybe he has more influence on the defensive side because he has more time to look at it, special teams, et cetera, and this team starts winning. Well, then his bosses can say, hey, you made the right call. You're still leading this team. We like what you're doing here, and we're gonna, we, we want to keep this going. And so maybe you know, that could be a good step. But I'll say this, Bill. You're someone like Matt Nagy, and you are here to call plays, and you give it up, and things don't work out. It's gonna be hard, you know. Look, when you talk about next jobs, right, and you, you look about your long-term future, um, that it's so difficult for these guys who are young, early in their careers, to give something up like that. I, I think, and so again, I think you can look at it from both sides to make the argument that hey, for Matt Nagy, it might help him in the short and long term. 
Um, but I could totally see from his perspective, wanting to do everything he can, wanting to exhaust every option before he finally did that. But in terms of like, should he, at this point, Bill, you cannot rule anything out with this offense because nothing they're doing is working. Yeah, no, I think uh, you hit the nail right on the head. A couple more before I let you go. Defensively, look, I'm not going to sit here and blast the defense. They've they've been great. That was not their best performance yesterday, especially in terms of, you know, uh, controlling the ground game, which is not the first time we've seen that problem this year. We know Eddie Goldman's missing, and that's that's definitely hurts them in terms of how they, they stop the run game. But there was something... And look, I think the defense was energized when they did the quarterback switch and they, they really kind of pinned their ears back and they were going after the quarterback a little bit. You know, Akeem Hicks seemed frustrated out there on, on Monday night football. It just, it, to me, there was just, I, the defense wasn't horrendous, but there was just something missing defensively last night. And I think a lot of people kind of sat there and said, well, the offense couldn't get anything going and, and the defense was out there the whole night. Well, the defense was out there almost, it was almost 50-50 in the first half, believe it or not. I think it was, I think the Bears offense had the ball 14 minutes and 30 seconds. So I, I don't think it was just pure exhaustion, but there was definitely just something missing from the defense on Monday Night Football. Do you agree with that? No, I do. I'm actually, just before we started this conversation, I was going back and rewatching specifically the run defense because the chunk gains they gave up, I mean, it was five yards, seven yards, 11 yards, nine yards. I mean, like every run seemed to be at least five yards. I mean, it, the Bears would kill to go get five yards, you know, <laughs> carry on their side of the ball. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, and, and the Rams were doing a very good job getting to the second level and gain a hand on Roquan Smith and really preventing him from, you know, making an impact. And the thing is, too, you know how the Rams run a lot of 11 personnel. And so the Bears are only going to have two defensive linemen out there most of the time. And, and they took advantage of it. Um, they are in the middle of the league in yards per carry allowed. And that is a very strange place for them to be based on where they've been the last three years in that category. Missing Eddie Goldman's a big part of that. So I do think it's fair to criticize the run defense because, you know, look, the, the, they did not lose last night because of the defense. And, and if they don't make the playoffs, it's not going to be because of the defense, but you know, the defense has a really high bar and, and unfortunately the offense is doing nothing to help them. So, you know, they cannot let Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson run all over them. It's just, you know, and I, and I think too, Bill, these guys would be the first ones to admit that, you know, that they, they, they would be the first ones to say that's not good enough. Um, and they, they, again, they hold themselves to a very high standard. I will say too, in terms of defending them a little bit, when they give up like that, uh, you know, that Malcolm Brown 11 yard run where he's carrying guys, which I do think should have been stopped at the five. We've seen that in past years where when things spiral on the offense, the defense just has that one bad possession. I think I can think back to Philadelphia last year. It happened. Reddy Jackson missed the tackle and, and, and Philadelphia just walked in for a touchdown. And, and we, we've seen when games have gone out of control for this Bears team, the defense just has that one bad possession where it's like enough. It's too much. We're out here too long. There's only so much we can do to carry you guys. And I think we saw that in the third quarter yesterday where the Rams just had that one possession where the Bears just were just like, now I'm not saying they gave up. I'm just saying that it, 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 it impacted them, that the offense was not helping them. And, and that's going to happen. And the Bears are lucky it doesn't happen more often. Um, but I do think it is certainly a fair critique to point out this run defense is just not 
what it's been. I mean, you can go back even to 2017 when this was a bad football team, but the run defense was their hallmark. That was their staple. Um, and that was one of Eddie Goldman's better years as he started to be on the ascent. So um, that's something they got to continue to work on and continue to figure out because, look, they got Alvin Kamara next week. And then you know who's coming two weeks later with Derrick Henry and the Titans. So uh, they, they've got to figure out that, that run defense because their secondary is too good to constantly be in second and two situations. Yeah, no, I, I, it's exactly where I was going with that next one. And, and the other person to, to point out that's not helping this run defense anymore is Leonard Floyd, who had, you know, quite, quite a good game for himself, la, you know, last night, which I'm sure he, he enjoyed quite a bit. But again, Floyd was, it was definitely, a, you know, for, he never was that pass rusher, but he was a presence in the run. So with him and Goldman out, there is definitely a different look there. But uh, before I let you go, you know, you brought up Saints and, and Titans. So last one for you, I'm not going to put winning the next two on the table. I think that that's too much to ask for, but at this point with this team and, and, you know, they, they've beaten some good teams like, like Tampa, but you know, they're, you know, a lot of problems on the offense in two weeks. Is there a better chance this team will be six and three or five and four? Mm, man, you know, this league's so wonky that I could certainly see them beating the saints on Sunday. Um, Obviously, New Orleans defense is not what it had been in recent years. Uh, it's just hard. Again, it's hard to project the offense to do anything. Uh, you know, there's so much recency bias too, Bill, where I'm sitting here being like, you know, we're less than 24 hours removed from just such a terrible showing. How could you think this team's going to win against either the Saints or Titans? So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm leaning towards five and four. Again, I, I think the recency bias is there. And you go back to that 5-0-1 start, we knew at some point that they were going to get hit in the mouth. Um, I don't think we expected to be in such a way on, on national TV against a team like the Rams that just got hit in the mouth themselves by the 49ers. Um, so, you know, look, I, I certainly am not going to – I can't imagine picking them to beat the Titans. That's, that's for sure. Um, the Saints is going to be – you know, that, that could be a close one just because the Saints have been a little bit inconsistent this year. But, no, I, I, I would have to say – uh, I, I would say I would expect them to be five and four. Now I say that with nobody in the world had them five and one, you know, even as they're winning games, we, people were still picking them to lose. They were still picked to be the underdog, you know, by Vegas standards. Uh, so, you know, but look, Matt Nagy admitted they have cushion, you know, they can get, they could be five and four and certainly and still be in decent position to make the playoffs. When you look at the fact they got two against the Vikings, another against the Lions, the Texans and Jaguars on the schedule, um, but yeah, yeah, there, you know, this is kind of danger territory, uh, when you look at, you know, could the season really teeter here? Um, and, and if they don't get anything figured out on offense, it's hard to see how they can score enough points to stick with either of these teams. And that's what we were all wondering, right? What's going to happen when they face a team that scores 21 plus points It happens Sunday night and bears often scored three. So, you know, you, you, you can kind of assume the Saints and Titans are also going to be teams that can score 24 points, even against a good defense. So what's the offense going to do? And I mean, there's no reason for me to predict the offense to score 24 points. Yeah, no, that's, that's the bottom line. Until we see uh, any, a flicker of a flight on the offense, it's, it's going to be tough to pick them against good teams. But uh, there he is uh, from the athletic Kevin Fishbane at K Fishbane on Twitter. Kevin, thanks so, for so much time. Really appreciate it. Uh, enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me. All right. There he is. Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic. Love talking to Kevin. Really gives you a really good, honest, objective analysis of, of where the team is. And, 
And, and you know, like I kind of said at the beginning of the, po- the podcast, this offense is a problem. This offense needs to be worked on. There's, there's plenty of things to get to. But the defense, to me, was almost more alarming against the Rams because I expect the offense to be bad. I mean, look, did I expect them to be that bad? No, of course not. But, you know, we've seen this team score 23 points against Carolina. We've seen this team score 20 points against Tampa. So we know the offense, as bad as it is, can sneak up there to 17, 20, 24 points a game at, at times. That's not a that's not enough points. I'm not saying that's enough. But, but we've, we've seen that. But this defense was just, they were on their heels. It felt like that Raider game last year in London where the Raiders were just flattening the defense and running the ball down their throats. And that's just not something you see. And, and like I, said, I know Leonard Floyd's not there and Leonard Floyd was good against the run. And Eddie Goldman is a critical piece of that, that run game. And Trevathan isn't quite what he was. So there's, there's plenty of reasons to point to why the run game, the, the run defense isn't, isn't what it's supposed to be. But... To me, it was just alarming. I just felt like watching that defense, if, if you just took all the numbers and, and everything off the back and, and, and the colors uh, on the jerseys and just had Team A and Team B out there, you would not think that this Bears defense is an elite defense the way they played against the Rams. You just wouldn't. To me, you, you just I just didn't see it. And, and the way they had been playing the last couple of weeks was really energized. I really liked what I saw. I just didn't see it against the Rams, and that, that was frustrating and, and concerning because there are some good offense. I mean, Derrick Henry, is they are going to give him the ball 25 times. He could run for 200 yards if they play like that. He, they cannot play like that against the Titans. Alvin Kamara is, is, is a weapon. But look, because this league is so weird, I have a pretty good feeling about this Saints game. That being said, they're going to lose 38-13. to 13. But I have a just a weird feeling that this is the they're they're gonna you know that punch in the mouth that the defense took isn't going to be a they're not gonna crumple from it. I think they're gonna rise from it. And I think we're going to see a much better performance against this Saints team. And I think the Bears have a chip on their shoulder about how that game went last year. I think it's gonna go a lot better for this team. So I, I can't guarantee a victory, obviously, but I think this is going to be a close game. I know I thought the Rams game was going to be a close game, but I did think the Rams were going to win. I'm going to go completely off the wall, off of that horrendous performance. And I'm going to say that this Chicago Bears team is going to rebound, and they're going to be the late game, and they're going to have Buck and Aikman, and the whole country's going to be watching, and they're going to be sitting there ready to roll their eyes at this pathetic offense and I'm not saying the offense is going to be amazing. I think they'll look better than they did against the Rams. I think this defense is going to step up again. And for no reason, other than the fact that in the NFL, you can never seem to predict what's going to happen. I think the Bears are going to win this game on Sunday. Call me crazy. And, and please, at Zimmerman SXM, tweet me and tell me I'm crazy. I It's fine. I understand. I understand what I'm saying right now doesn't make logical sense. And that perhaps I need a straitjacket and a rubber room. But I'm still going to go with it and say the Bears are going to win this game, and I'll go with 24-20. to 24-20, a Chicago Bear victory, and I don't know why. So don't ask me to back it up other than a weird gut feeling. So we'll see if I'm right next week. Bear down, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Adios.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.